I am so glad that each of you are here with us today uh, to worship. I'm especially glad the children are here today. Uh, we're looking together um, a little bit for the last few weeks in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, but before we talk too much about it, the text, do you remember on this uh, day a lesson that your mother taught you? Now, young children that are in here today, I'm talking a little bit to you. Uh, do you remember a lesson that your mother taught you? Those of you guys that are a little bit older, do you remember something your mom taught you? I'm thinking, what did my mom teach me? She taught me so many things. Do you want to hear a story about what my mom taught me? I'm talking especially to the little ones. You older ones, I'm sure you can listen too. I remember when I was a pretty little guy going to school, and I told my mom, Mom, I don't really have any friends. I don't really like going to school because I don't have any friends. And to this day, I remember what my mom told me. My mom said, if you want to have friends, you need to be a friend. Be a friend to other people. Be kind. Invite other people to play with you. Be open. Love others. Be a good friend. And you'll have plenty of friends. I just got back from a conference where other people who do college ministry are there. And I remember, um, everybody wants to tell about what their year was like and who, what's going on. And, you know, and it's kind of almost, have you ever been to conferences where it's always like, well, things were hard for me. Well, things were really hard for me. Or, hey, we had big success. Well, we had even more success. You know what I'm talking about? The little comparison things go on. It, whether it's good or bad, you've got to find your little group and you try to want, you know. There's a guy that uh, is a friend of mine. His name is Dave. Why is Dave a friend of mine? Actually, Dave's a friend of everybody. Because I watch Dave. Dave would go around and always ask, so tell me about what's going on in your ministry. Tell me what's going on on your campus. Tell me what's going on with you in your life. Dave didn't talk a lot about himself. He always was a friend. I think the lesson that my mom was trying to teach me back in the day was probably a lesson that Dave actually learned. And he was a friend to others. And he watched how God would just use him in the lives of others. I think we as Valley Baptist Church are called, we looked at this last few weeks, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we're going to make disciples in this place as a congregation, we've got to go and be a friend, sharing the good news of Jesus. But we've also got to take this love that you all have for one another and be a friend to the new people who are coming. This church is a family. It's a family that loves each other. But it's got to be a family that's ready to, you know, expand its love capacity. <laughs> be ready to love the new people that the Lord is bringing. To be ready to become that new congregation that God is forming. If it's going to be, go forward in making disciples. We talked about how do we make disciples. That's been sort of our big question. And we've been looking at the church at Thessalonica. Uh, the church at Thessalonica, where Paul was with them only three weeks. He was a model for them. He proclaimed the good news. He taught them about Jesus. And he also was trying to write a letter to them to remind them of the lessons that he had learned from Jesus. The lessons that he had learned from God. And some of those lessons might have even come from his mom. Because we've all got moms that we need to be thankful for. Because we've all learned some good lessons from them. 
One of the things I think we learn from the Apostle Paul in this passage that maybe we can reflect that maybe our moms helped us learn to is to love with the right kind of love. To love with the right kind of love. You're thinking, well, is there, is there um, a wrong kind of love? Is there a wrong kind of love? Well, Paul the Apostle in the book of First Thessalonians tells us that we actually have to beware of certain kinds of behaviors that seem to perhaps be loving, but actually are not appropriate in God's church and not appropriate among his people. Beware false ways of loving. Let's take a look together. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3, he says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Okay, what's the context? What is Paul trying to motivate them about? What is Paul trying to make some kind of appeal about? Well, the Apostle Paul was a missionary. So that means the people that he knew were not people he had known very long. They were new people in his life. Paul had befriended them, but he had befriended them sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And this new congregation, this new group of believers was perhaps even suspicious. What was Paul trying to do? What was he trying to get? Well, the first thing Paul says, this doesn't come from error. I know what I have believed. I know the truth. You know, um, error, it's one of those things like being lost. Sometimes you don't know you're lost until you're really lost. Those of you guys from Oklahoma, I have some Oklahoma friends uh, here that you guys have been a part. You know that little split where all of a sudden you're like on going on I-40 and you think you're going to Arkansas, but all of a sudden there's somehow there was this little road that peels off and you end up in Missouri? Yeah, I did that once. And all of a sudden, I didn't know I was lost until it said, Welcome to Missouri. And I was going to Arkansas. We often don't know, but the Apostle Paul knew God's Word. And God's Word and what Jesus had revealed to him, he knew that he was in the right. Error is actually a false way of loving. That we can be trying to teach people something. We can try to be instructing people in the way to go. But we're actually the ones in the wrong. Error is this idea of you're, you're wrong, but you just are insisting that you're right. You're just insisting that you're right. My little brother, <clears throat> when he was really little, he was like that. Sometimes when we're children, we can kind of get a perspective that we hold on to really, really, really tightly. Um, our church back then was called Travis Avenue Baptist Church. And, I mean, my brother was four years old, maybe five. Um, <clears throat> and he was convinced that it was called Travis New Year's. And I kept saying, Richard, New Year's is a special day when we celebrate the beginning of a calendar year. A five-year-old doesn't understand this. When we celebrate, it's January 1st, New Year's is a special day. He's like, no, this is Travis New Year's. I mean, no, it's Travis Avenue. Avenue is another word for road or street or Travis New Year's. I mean, he would not let it go. (laughs) Would not let it go. And, I mean, he just called it Travis New Year's for about three years. I mean, we just, we just, he couldn't convince the kid. He was in the wrong Sometimes we get in the wrong, but we're so much convinced that we're right. There's only one cure for this. It's God's Word. We have to be connected to the Lord's Word. We have to be connected to His Scripture daily so that God has room to correct our thinking. Because when our thinking is in the wrong, we can't see it. 
Are you submitting yourself daily? Are you hungry and thirsty for God? Not just to give you knowledge, but to actually speak in through His Holy Spirit about those places in our hearts where we're living or thinking incorrectly. Those errors that we're convinced of. I wish we, we could spend a whole long time there, but we can't. Because we've got to get to impure motives. You heard that right from the Scripture, right? You heard that it was... We don't, it didn't spring from error as that we were t- discipling you, telling you about Jesus. It didn't come from error or impure motives. What are the impure motives? Well, there's a bunch of them. He goes on to explain them. Look at verse 4. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God and entrusted with the Gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. People-pleasing can be an impure motive. People-pleasing can be an impure motive. Sometimes we're afraid to say those things because, you know, they're going to react wrongly. They're going to be upset. They're going to be angry. They're going to be mad. Brothers and sisters, we ought, we've got to speak the truth. Now, we always need to speak the truth in love, but we've got to speak the truth. We can't just want to please one another. We can't just, you know, tiptoe around walking on eggshells about some things. We're going to have to be able to say, guys, this is how we need to be. We're about to move back into the sanctuary. We're about to start inviting more and more people to church. We're going to see some things happen. It's going to be a little tricky. Okay, we're going to have to say, we're going to have to remind each other. We're going to have certain kind of things. Okay, this is the way you enter. This is the way you exit. This is how you gather. This is how you wear your mask. This is what you're going to do. Oh, we're not going to like this. We are not going to like this. We are not going to like this. I was just on the Southwest Airlines flight, right? And the little guy up there was like, guys, we're not going to let you on the plane unless you're covering your nose and you got the whole mask on. It's on a certain way. Please don't make us be the, the, the mask police. Please don't do that to us. <laughs> Please. Because it's going to be rough if, if we have to. Okay. We've got to follow the rules. We've got to help one another during this season. Um, we've got to speak the truth in love. Even if it's going to make somebody unhappy. We can't just people please. Number two, look what he says in verse five. We never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask. What? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's ironic. Nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. <laughs> okay, okay. Not that kind of, different kind of mask I'm all talking about. We didn't put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. What do we see there? Flattery. <laughs> Flattery. You know what that is, right? It's manipulation. Oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so wonderful. Now, we just talked about how, like, last week, encouraging and discipling like a father means that we do encouragement. Telling people what's true about them from God's Word and what's true about them specifically and how God has gifted them, created them, moved it. We, we should encourage one another. But we don't use flattery to manipulate people. To try to get them to believe what we believe. This is not love. This is not, well look, I'm just trying to get you to do what you really ought to do and if I can get you anywhere, I can get you there. No. We need to treat people with respect. We need to treat people with honor. We need to love them in a way that says, no, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm being honest with you. Greed is the other one, right? Greed is the other one. It's so easy to be greedy about different things. For these apostles, it was money, right? Now, it wasn't Apostle Paul, but what he calls later in the Corinthian letters the super apostles. Super apostles? Is that like one of the 
I don't know, Avengers that we missed? You know, that was a group of superhero ministers? No, these were guys who were claiming that, oh, we have special revelation from God. Oh, we have special this. We have... Greed can seep into a minister's life just like it can seep into any one of our lives. As this church moves forward, if God is calling us to a new day, you cannot call the pastor who is just here to get, your, get money. If a pastor can't come because you can't pay him enough, rejoice and be glad because that might not be the pastor you want. I'm just saying, if it's because of money, if the desire... Now, certainly people have to feed their families, all those kinds of things. But if it's about money, if you will only do a job in a position because of the finances, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And we need to be leery. We need to beware. Impure motives. Greed. We can be greedy about other things. It's not just money. In fact, verse 6, he says, we weren't looking for praise from people, not for you or from anyone else. As Paul is showing himself as one who loved correctly, he says, look, it can't be about praise. Self-promotion. Sometimes we are greedy for and love this, this, this praise. This praise from others. Oh, that was such a good sermon. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, we love you so much. Oh, yeah, we just, you know... Now, it's okay to give compliments, and you are certainly welcome. In fact, <clears throat> it's course evaluation time for my courses, and I always tell the students, it is not plagiarism if you write down things like, best course I've ever had, favorite professor of all time, learned just so much, every lecture was amazing. I said, you are free to use any of those phrases as much as you want. It won't be counted as plagiarism. You are, I, I love that, because a lot of the students will do it. I'm just reading it, I'm just thinking, my wife's like, you told them to say that, and that doesn't count. And I'm like, it counts? It counts. I love it. I love it. I, we all like a little praise. But it can lead to some false kind of love. Where we're not doing what's right. We're not doing what's good for others. We're doing what we think will get us the most attention. The most praise. Verse 6. Even though as apostles, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Uh Uh-oh. Here's the humility piece. Even though we could have, we had the right to, we had the calling of God that put us in a certain place. Control is a trap. When we try to, like, no, 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 I've got to have it this way. Control, Even if the authority is there, it can be a trap for us. Paul says it's a false way of, of, of loving. We can't control. Oh, anybody convicted yet? I'm feeling conviction. It's so easy for me to be the people pleaser. I think I'm right. And I so convince myself that I'm right that I know what's right for you and for you and for you and for you. And let me just show you the right way. And if I, any way I can get you there, won't you just love me then? Am I truly being the friend who's being a friend? Am I truly being the family member who's being the family member? Am I truly being part of the kingdom of God, the church member to you, if I'm just telling you what you want to hear, just seeking really my own praise, just seeking my own gain, just trying to please others or using flattery or any of these impure motives that often drive us? Would you surrender to the Holy Spirit? God, show me. What do I need to let go of? 
This is a sanctification work right now. This is what God is doing right now among us. This is, this is phase one of our grand plan. This is what we're asking God to do in our lives to get us prepared to be a holy sanctuary prepared for Him to lead to do the new work among us. Well, I think we actually know what real love is. We've seen it in Jesus. Hopefully we've seen it in your mothers and our fathers. Hopefully you've seen it um, as a church body before. You've known when it was genuine because when we love in the right way, it is genuine concern. It's not, oh, good grief. Uh, okay, what were the prayer requests from last week? I've got to hurry up and look at those before I go to church. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've got to ask about your surgery. Oh, I need to ask. Is that, or was I praying for you this week? Where's the genuine love and concern? That's what verse 7 says, right? It finishes off, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. End of verse 7, first part of verse 8. Just like a mom with a young child, a young child in her arms, pretty appropriate for today, uh, cares for that child and would do any thing for that child. It's not for herself. It's not for her fame. It's not for her glory. It's not for anything she would want. But it's for this child's sake. We cared for you as a mother cared for her children. When people come to this congregation, will they feel that kind of love? That's genuine, sincere concern. It's, it's quoted that a lot of different people get attributed to this quote, but some give it to Theodore Roosevelt. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We're supposed to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we've got to do it in love. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that one of these characteristics of genuine love is that you share your not only the gospel, but your life as well. You're sharing the spiritual truths as well as the ordinary, regular parts of life. Look at verse 8. Because, the end of verse 8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the Gospel of God, but our lives as well. Not only the Gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know, if we love our neighbors, shouldn't we be sharing the Gospel with them? They're, they're lost. It's an eternity apart from Jesus Christ. It's an eternity out of heaven if people don't know the good news of Jesus Christ. If we truly love, we're going to share the gospel with our family members, with our friends, with our neighbors. But sometimes we also need to be sharing life. What's going on with them? Hey, their flowers look good this year. Can I help you with the yard? What's going on? How are we sharing our lives as well? Well, finally, I think the, probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is about <clears throat> serving sacrificially. You know, a lot of our mothers were those examples of sacrificial love, right? They served from early morning to late at night. They worked hard. I can remember Christmases where my mom was trying to convince my grandmother not to just spend hours and hours and hours in the kitchen uh, just wearing herself out for that Christmas meal. Like, we could order a few things, you know. 
That's even before they had Sam's Club and you could just buy huge vats of whatever. Um, Look at verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with speech uh, and words, but with actions and in truth. Toil, hardship, action, truth. As new people are coming to this congregation, let us greet, let us welcome, let's share not only words and the good news of Jesus, but our lives as well. As we work to prepare to open, I couldn't imagine how much, it's actually been a lot of like discussions and planning and there's a lot of things to just get done just to reopen the sanctuary. There's just a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be in here that men do every week, thanklessly. So so much of the time. Toil and hardship. The congregation isn't a place just for us to rest. But we are going to be working. We are going to be working together. We've had that example. Because our clearest example comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, (laughs) the love of God was fully manifested. We talked earlier about in the cross. Jesus could have quit Jesus could have given up. Jesus could have called down legions of angels. Jesus could have stepped off that cross during the taunts, during the mockery. Jesus could have done anything and everything uh, for His own glory, for His own purpose. But instead, He said, not my will, but yours. Today, this week, how will you let the love of God be the model in our families? in our church, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods? How will you let the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ guide you? For those of you that don't know Jesus, maybe today is your day. Maybe today is the day that you give your life to Christ. Maybe today is the day that you say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I accept you as my Savior. Maybe today you would respond to the good news that God died, that God sent His Son to die for you, He rose again to give you eternal life. Would you respond to the good news? Would you love like Christ has loved us? Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for Your Word today. Thank You for how it challenges us to the core. Help us be those who love out of a pure heart and who love in the right way. Thank you, Lord. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.